Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Pastor Isaac, lead pastor of Shore Christian Church, and you are about to hear a sermon from our latest series, The Escape Room. And The Escape Room is based off of all these uh, interactive adventures all across America called escape rooms, where you're kind of locked in a room and you have to use your surroundings in order to uh, escape what's, uh, what's trying to confine and bind you. And I thought that would be a, a great way to tie into a series because we're all trying to escape from something in life, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that no matter what we're tempted by, no matter what we are facing, God will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but will always provide a way of escape. So get ready to check out this sermon. Uh, if this message blesses you, we encourage you to contribute uh, to Shore Christian Church so we can get more of these powerful messages out to people that need to hear them the most. And you could do so right on the link provided below. God bless you. Enjoy this sermon. How many of you guys were here last Sunday for the opening of the Escape Room series? Oh my God, if you weren't here, that was one of the most impactful sermons uh, ever uh, spoken at this church, I believe. And if you uh, uh, weren't here, please listen to it uh, on our, our YouTube app uh, or uh, our, our channel. And uh, I know it'll bless you. Share it with some friends. And uh, this Sunday, we're going to be continuing with that series. Uh, last week, the, the theme was Escaping from Betrayal. And we looked at the story of Joseph and how Joseph was able to escape this betrayal that he went through as a 17-year-old kid and how it tried to imprison him in, in, in being a victim and being hurt his whole life, but how he was able to overcome that. And it was a, a real powerful service. A lot of people uh, really were spoken to through that. And today, we're going to look at another character in the Bible, uh, a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, a lot of the book of Acts, which was written by uh, Dr. Luke, what came from the Apostle Paul and his uh, journeys and his uh, adventures. And we're going to look at one of those uh, in just a minute. Uh, but first, this is the theme scripture for this entire series. And it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And here it is, uh, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. I know a lot of times we think nobody else uh, knows what it's like or, or nobody else knows what I'm going through, but God, God does, God does. That's why uh, Jesus, uh, it says in the book of Hebrews, can empathize with you because he was tempted in every way just without sin. That's why he is able to be a savior for you because he knows what you've been through. Uh, and it says, but God is faithful and he will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. Who's memorized that? Who memorized that this week? Oh, you guys are not good parishioners at Shore Christian Church. You're supposed to memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Next week, we're going to be quizzing you and giving away uh, a free cruise to the Caribbean for anyone that could, uh, I'll bribe you. Oh, no, no, shouldn't need that. This word is a cruise to you for your heart. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that uh, you are in this place, Father. And uh, I pray for every every mother, every spiritual mother, Lord, that they will be honored this morning to know how much they truly mean to every single one of us, Lord God. Uh, I pray, Father, that uh, they will realize that 
nothing goes unseen from you, Lord God. Every single act of service, every single uh, moment where they feel like, does anybody see what I'm doing? God, you see, and you, you honor them more than all this morning. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, this guy, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he traveled over 10,000 miles on foot to preach the gospel. He had this mission that he wanted to preach the gospel to the entire known world, and, and he just about did it. You can read about his journeys in, in the book of Acts, and he went to so many cities uh, that were influential. He went to Athens. He went to Philippi. He, he went to uh, all these places in, in Asia, in Turkey, uh, in Jerusalem, Damascus, uh, but there was one place that he did not have an opportunity to preach at until the end of his life, and it was the Mecca of the known world at the time the Bible was written, this city called Rome. Rome had over four million people living in it uh, during the time of Paul, and it was the Mecca of the world. And God had spoken a word over Paul that you were going to preach the gospel to kings. You were going to preach the gospel to, to Caesars, and you're going to go to Rome, and, and, and you're going to be able to bring my word to, to the Mecca of the known world and, and be able to disciple them. Uh, but Paul's entire life, he, he never had that opportunity. He was everywhere except Rome until this, this final uh, a season of his life, and he ends up to have an opportunity to journey to Rome. But he doesn't get there the way he expected. He went there on a boat with chains on his arms as a prisoner with 250 other prisoners to stand trial in Rome. Because a lot of times we could get what we expect, but it doesn't come the way we expected it to come. Has anybody ever been there before? Is anyone sitting next to that person right now? (laughs) Don't laugh. (laughs) I I mean, a lot of times we get what we want. It just doesn't happen the way we expect it to happen. Uh, The the story that I told in the the first service, I I thought it it, it was uh, uh, pretty fitting. Uh, I always wanted to, uh, uh, this is like a little kid's dream. You see things on the magazines. I always wanted to uh, uh, fly on a private jet. You ever flown on a private jet before? Bougie people, whoever has their hands up. Uh, and, and so I, I, was, I was a young kid. I thought it would be really cool flying a private jet, you know, just like, uh, you know, Jay-Z, all those celebrities, right? Uh, that would be awesome. And so uh, when I was 22 years old, my father had the opportunity to preach at a church in Johannesburg, South Africa, a church that had about 10,000 people in it. And uh, the pastor there, his name is Pastor Ray McCauley. Uh, he was uh, a very successful businessman, very influential uh, man in the kingdom of God. Actually, has preached at this church before uh, years ago. Uh, incredible man. And so when I was 22, my dad invited me to go to South Africa. Uh, that was amazing. I got to go to South Africa, go uh, uh, see the, the, the lions in the, in the wild and got to hold like little bear or uh, lion cubs and go on safaris. It was amazing. And my father preached uh, at this uh, incredible stadium. About 10,000 people were there when my dad preached. I got to sit on the front row, but I didn't really care about that. What I cared about was my father told me that after he preached, we are going to fly on a private jet from Johannesburg to Durban. 
Right after the, I am, I'm excited, I'm pumped, and, and right after the sermon, we're, we're ready to go. I'm thinking that, that we're going to get picked up in a limo, that there's going to be some, some champagne waiting on the private jet. There's going to be red carpet. There's going to be people like feeding us grapes in this private jet. It is going to be living the life, just the life I saw in the magazine. This is amazing. I get to experience that once in my life. And, and as we uh, exit the, the church, my dad preached, it was an amazing sermon, get uh, in the car with uh, Pastor Ray McCauley on our way to the private jet, get to the private jet, and, and this thing looked like something that you found at like a, a garbage dump heap. I, I mean, it had like two, two little propellers. Uh, there was no seats except for the pilot. Uh, everybody uh, had to sit in the, in the cargo bay. And so we're sitting there in the cargo bay, uh, take off in this sucker, can't go over 5,000 feet. And there are like 5,000 foot mountains in South Africa that we have to like bob and weave in between. And, and I'm praying for dear life, prayed more in the plane than I did in the church service before the plane. And, and I'm speaking in tongues. I'm like, this is not the way I want to go. You know, on a private jet, I'm thinking that, that it's going to be this amazing experience. And it was one of the most terrifying experiences in my entire life. Uh, but by the grace of God, we got to, to Durban and and we made it, but we made it not the way that I expected us to make it. And you probably have so much, so many better stories about a situation in your life, just like the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome to fulfill his dream, to fulfill what God has spoken in his life when he first came into the ministry. But he's going on a ship as a prisoner in chains to face a death sentence when he gets there. And as he gets on this ship, suddenly things do not go as planned. Suddenly there's turmoil. Suddenly the winds were against them. And it says, verse 9, chapter 27, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was the day of atonement. It was kind of like hurricane season back then is what they're trying to articulate to us. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and our own life also. Thank you for that encouraging word, Paul. Want to go on that ship, Carnival Cruise with Paul. But the centurion, uh, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And of course he did. I would do the same thing. I mean, you're on a ship. Who are you going to take advice from? The, the, the preacher or the pilot? Uh, I'm, I'm going with the pilot. Uh, because that would make sense, right? That, that makes sense. Because the, the pilot has all his nautical maps and he knows the, the wind currents and the direction that the, 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 the trade winds are going to take them. And, and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. This is disastrous. But this is the, the, the first thing I want to say to you as, as you go through life is, are you driven by your senses or by the Spirit? Because what Paul represents here on this ship is, is really the voice of God. The voice that God is trying to speak and warn them about this voyage that they're about to go on. But they end up listening to the professionals, listening to the ones that have all the experience, the ones that have all the maps. And, and I, I think that that is important. I think it's so important for every single person to have a group around you of people that have great experience, that have wisdom, that, that are able to help direct you and use facts and use different perspectives to help you along the way. But I want you to know you can surround yourself by the greatest people. You can surround yourself by all the facts, all the statistics 
perfect, but if you are just driven by your senses, you can still find yourself in a storm because there is a, a, a drive that you have to have from the spirit and not just from your senses. And, and so here's, here's Paul trying to warn them, but they don't take his advice and they end up getting caught in this storm. And I, I wrote this down. The voice you are responding to will determine the future that you will experience. And a lot of things God tells you to do doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense coming to church on Mother's Day when it's a Category 3 hurricane out there in in Asbury Park. You you people are crazy, but I love you and you love God. And, And a lot of things God will lead you to do, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You read the Bible, marching around the walls of Jericho. We're gonna take this city, uh, but we're gonna do it with a marching band. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense what David did with Goliath, 15 year old boy going after a man, nine foot nine, nine inches tall with a slingshot. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. A lot of the things that God asks us to do. And as you read the scriptures, you see this, but that is why you have to learn to be driven, not just by your senses, but by the spirit. And it goes on, verse 13. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So now they're, they're venturing out. So they, they pull the anchor up and they set sail along the shore of Crete. Before long, a, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeastern swept down from the island and the ship was caught in the storm and they could not head in the wind. So they began to give way to it and were just driven along. So many of you, you're just driven along by whatever you feel, you just go with it. You're just driven along by your emotions. If you feel rejected, you just go with that. If you feel uh, hurt, you just go with that. You're just driven along every single day by how you feel. You're driven along by what other people say to you. You are just, just completely driven along by your senses and other people end up controlling you because of it. You don't own your emotions. Your emotions own you. That was good. And some of you, you need to learn that your emotions listen to you. You own them. They don't own you. And you can't just be driven along by how you feel every single day because it will get you nowhere. And so they're just driven along. And it says, as, as we passed the lee of a small island, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it abroad. Then they passed ropes under the ship, and they were just trying to hold it together. They're just trying to, the, the storm is tearing them apart. They're just trying to save the ship. They're just trying to survive, and they're, they're, they're doing all these things within their own strength to do that because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbar. And they lowered the sea anchor, but the sea anchor didn't hold them. It just let the ship, ship continue to be driven along. But they put the anchor down. Isn't an anchor supposed to hold you? Right? Boat people, anchor, hold you, put the anchor down. It it, it holds you. It sustains you. But they, they put down their sea anchor. See, a sea anchor is a very, very temperamental anchor. Because if all you are anchored to is what you see, you will still be driven along by the wind. You need to be able to find an eternal anchor that is able to sustain you through the storms of life. And that does not come by what you see. And so they put the sea anchor down and, and doesn't change a thing. And they're just driven along. And, and I know that all of us in some way, we could find ourselves in this story. Find ourselves in this place where... We got in a boat expecting to make it 
to our destination, but now suddenly we're realizing that it is not going according to plan. I did not see this coming, and emotions are starting to take over, and fear is starting to take over that you're not going to make it, and it was a mistake even going on this journey, and, and, and now you're in a place where you're starting to question the decisions that you've made in your past, and you're starting to question the people that are around you, and you're trying, starting to question God and what God has spoken to you, and then this is what happens. This is the next stage. It says, we took such a Violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Then on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now they're just trying to maybe, maybe this will work. I'll get rid of this. I'll get rid of that. But then when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. And we finally gave up all hope of being saved. What a depressing place to be where you have tried all that you could do and you have now given up all hope in ever being saved. A uh, doctor will, will tell you that the definition of, of real depression, not, not you know, depression we make up in our mind, I'm depressed, but no, no, this is the real definition of depression is when you give up on a hope of this feeling ever going away. Like it's never, this is, it doesn't matter what the greeters say to me. It doesn't matter what Pastor Isaac preaches. It doesn't matter what other people say to me, what what other people do for me. This is how I am going to feel the rest of my life. And it's never, that's, that's real depression. When, when what used to guide you, the stars, you look up and, and they're nowhere to be found and, and you feel completely helpless. You feel completely hopeless. So many, so many hopeless people out there. The Bible says that where there is no vision or no hope, people cast off restraints. That's why people, I believe, act so crazy all the time is because they have no hope, they have no purpose, so what's the point? And, and that's where these men are, these prisoners. They've, they've given up all hope of ever making it to Rome. They've given up all hope on, on, on ever getting through this storm that they're in. Uh, but Paul stands up. I love preachers. Paul stands up, the voice of God, and, and he stands up in the midst of all this chaos and in the midst of this journey, and, and this is what he says. He says, verse 21, said, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. I thought I'd get an amen from the mothers this morning at Shore Christian Church on that one. How many can, can give me an amen? Men! You should have taken my advice. All right, all right, all right. It'll, it'll get better. It'll get better. I, I hope, yeah. There, there it is. There it is. That's, that's what you want to say. Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself and the damage and the loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. But now, I, I love the Bible. I love... The, the, the words that the Bible uses because up to that point, the reason that they're in that storm is because they ignored the warning that Paul gave them before that, right? And now they're in a storm. And I feel like those are where most of our storms are. The ones that we create, 
The ones that are our fault. I know that a lot of times, like, you blame, oh, oh the, the, the boss didn't really like me, and, and that's the reason why I lost my job. But the real reason you know inside your heart of hearts is because you were lazy and you were showing up late multiple times. But, but, but you just tell everybody that the boss didn't like you. But, but if, if you're honest with yourself, you're the one that ended up getting you in the storm. And, and I feel like those are the storms that fear can really overtake us because I can understand why God would be able to meet me in a storm that he sent me in. Like in John chapter four, Jesus says to his disciples, go meet me on the other side. And he puts him in a boat and sends him to the other side. And then a storm comes and then Jesus comes walking to them on the water in the midst of the storm and quiets the, quiets the, the raging seas because he sent them in the storm. I get that, right? That, that he, he, he will shut the mouths of the lions because he sent me in the lions then. I get that. But what about if I was an idiot? What if this is my fault? But what if I was the one that ignored the warning from God so many times that, that I knew I should not have dated that person, but they were hot and I, I thought that they were going to fill something in me that I needed and, and everybody warned me and everyone told me not to do it, but I did it anyway. And, and now I, I, I feel helpless and now I've wasted years of my life and, and now it's my fault and, and, and I'm the one that put myself in this situation. I, ignored wisdom from Pastor Isaac, or I ignored wisdom from, from my wife, or I ignored wisdom from somebody in my life, and now I am in a mess that I created, and if I got myself in it, now this is what happens. I have to get myself out. And, and now I got to throw the tackle, and I got to figure this out, and now I, I feel so helpless. But the word that Paul says is, is, but now. Don't worry about then, but now. Don't worry about what happened five years ago, but now. Don't let the regret of what you did 10 years ago dictate what God can do in your life today, but now. He is a now God. He's not worried about the mistakes that you made in your life before. He's not worried about the selfishness in your life, the disobedience in your life, the times that you ignored God and turned your back on his word. He is saying to us and saying to these men in this passage, but now, but now. Forget about what you did before, but now God has a word for you, and he stands up and he says, but now keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. We're going to make it, but the ship is going to be destroyed. (laughs) I got good news. And I got bad news. Don't you hate it when people say that to you? You know, I got good news, but I got bad news. The good news is we're going to make it. The, the bad news is it is not going to be in this ship, baby. I don't know how we're going to make it, well, but we're going to make it. Uh, you know, I, there was this time uh, in my life, it was uh, 2016, we were about to close on uh, the house that I'm currently living in, in uh, Wall Township, and uh, we went to go look at it, we had our family, we had our, our kids there, and, and I'm playing uh, with the kids in the, in the yard, and uh, I had these, these sunglasses, these were my father's sunglasses, they meant so much to me, and, and I was playing with the kids, and somehow I guess they fell off while I was playing with my kids uh, at the, uh, the place uh, that we were looking at, the house, and after uh, we left, we ended up making an offer on the house and went under contract, but I didn't know where I put my sunglasses. I had no idea where they were, and I, I went to the circus because we, we went to dinner that night. They weren't at the circus. I looked all in my car, looked all in the house. I had no idea where they were. I didn't think that, that they would be at the house that we looked at, uh, and so I, I just assumed that they were gone, that they were lost, and then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from our uh, real estate agent, Jeff Niffin. Uh, I don't know if he's here today. Uh, so Jeff Niffin calls me, and he goes, I got, I got good news. 
the police found your sunglasses. I'm like, yes, the Wall Township police, I love you, found my sunglasses. And, and Jeff's like, yeah, you got to call them and, and you could go down there and pick them up. So I am stoked. So I, I call up the Wall Township police. Uh, one of the detectives answers the phone. It's like, yeah, come, come, come in. We just want to ask you a few questions. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're these sunglasses. I know exactly what they are. So I, I walk in and the guy uh, uh, says to me, he says, uh, where, where were you? What were you doing on the property there? And so I told him, like, we're about to buy the house, and we were looking at the property with our family, and, and then we ended up putting an offer in, and now we're getting ready to close in the house. And when I was playing with my kids, my glasses must have fallen out in the yard somewhere. I, I wasn't really sure. And the guy says, well, uh, uh, it, it just so happened that right after you left, that the, uh, the, the pump for the uh, pool ended up uh, uh, malfunctioning and exploding. And uh, the neighbor thought it was vandalism, and she called the police, and uh, we came, and the only thing that we found on the scene were your sunglasses. I'm like, oh my God, am I going to jail? Like, this is like, like I immediately like go to like the worst case scenario, right front page, Pastor Isaac, leaves his sunglasses on the scene, breaks the pump with a baseball bat. I'm like, I would never do that. I would never break the pump because I'm buying the house, of course. I'm buying it, right? I wouldn't do that. And the guy's like, well, it was a very old pump. And, and you know, it, it might make sense for you to want to break the pump so that they give you a new pump before you buy the house. So when you buy the house, there's a new pump there. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to jail. This is it, guest speaker this Sunday morning. And, and so I, I finally, I say, well, like, look, look, look uh, my, my name's Pastor Isaac. I have a church at Shore Christian Center. Uh, here's our app. We'll listen to one of my sermons. And I'm listening, showing the guy my sermon. The guy's like, oh my gosh, I think I might know you. Oh, I love that church. I knew your dad. And we ended up having this like powwow moment. And he says, oh, let me get your sunglasses. I'm so sorry to bring you down here. Gives me my sunglasses. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Uh, the good news is I have your sunglasses. The bad news is I dusted them for prints and they're ruined. I'm like, no, you dusted them for prints? What are you, like Sherlock Holmes trying to solve the crime of the century? Like sunglasses, let's dust them. All right, all right, all right, well, all right stop right there. Uh, Lord, please forgive me. I love the police department, especially Wall Township. Don't pull me over on Route 35, okay? <laughs> I wear my seatbelt. Uh, but, you know, good news is you're going to make it. The bad news is the ship's not. But keep up your courage, easy for you to say. When, when I know that my ship is going down, kind of hard for me to keep up my courage, but that's because your courage is conditional on what you're facing. Do you have conditional courage or do you have courage that God has placed inside of you that you can access even when you are in the most frightening of circumstances? Because so many of us are, are our courage is conditional, I'll just say it, like our bank account. And, and, and when, it, when it goes down, there goes our courage right down with it. Our, our courage is conditional on what other people say to us and how other people build us up. So when other people don't build us up and compliment us and encourage us, then we don't have any courage because we take it from other people. But God says, I've given you courage, now keep it up. But I'm so afraid. My, my circumstances have changed, but God hasn't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And, and Paul's courage is, is sky high because he got a word from the Lord. The other prisoners are all terrified because they're looking at the ship that is about to go down. The reason their courage isn't high, this is it. You ready? This is, this is the title of my message. And, and this is what, if you leave here with this, it'll change your life. It, it's the reason that the, the, the prisoners were, were afraid and they had no courage is because their hope was in their boat. Their hope 
was in how they expected to get to their destination. And because of that, they lost their courage. But Paul says, my hope is in my God, and that's why I'm able to have courage even in the midst of this storm, even in the midst of losing this ship, losing the vehicle that I expected God to use to bring me to my destination, and, and the ship is about to sink and is breaking, but my God has not forsaken me. My hope is in God. My hope is not in my boat. And I said that to encourage somebody whose boat is taking a hit right now, and you expected that boat to take you through your journey, but God says, oh, no, 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 no. I got other plans. I'm going to take you a different way. Uh, there's a, a story of a pastor in Gainesville, uh, Gainesville, Georgia, and uh, he tells the story of uh, this big building project that they uh, had going on at their church, and uh, they had been saving, and, and they had been believing God, and they had some big donors that gave money to this building project, and they finally got this massive 5,000-seat uh, auditorium, and they had their opening night, and uh, they were having dignitaries from Georgia, some politicians from Georgia. The governor was going to be there, and uh, there was a little bit of a Pentecostal church, and they had this, this really fiery guy that was part of their church. Do we have any fiery people at the 1030 service that aren't afraid to express themselves in the house of God, that aren't afraid to, to worship God when other people may even see them? Well, this guy was like one of you, uh, you people, crazy people that love Jesus, freaks, you know, and, and so he was a Jesus freak, and, and so he, he would worship, he'd be like dancing and like hooting and hollering, woo, you know, running up and down, and so uh, one of the donors of the uh, um, uh, building fund knew that all these politicians were coming, and they told the guy, like, like, look, just tone it down a little bit, right, just, just, just tone it down on the whole hallelujah stuff, just sit there, and, and, and just, just don't say anything, and, and the, guy, the guy's like, I don't know if I could do that, you know, once the music starts going, I just can't help myself, once the pastor starts preaching, it just comes out of me, and, and, and the, the, the big donor says, all right, look, I know you love fishing, you love fishing, so he said, just this one service, just, just don't say anything, and, and I have a fishing boat, I'll give you a fishing boat, and the guy's like, for real? Sign on the dotted line, shake on it. And he's like, yes, yes, just chill. So the guy is pumped. And, and so he gets to the service and, and it's opening of the new building and it's exciting. And, and, and they're doing the worship and they're singing, our God is an awesome God. And, and it's like his favorite song and, and everyone's getting into it. But he's like, 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 like kind of like, like, like having the shakes because he wants to stand up and praise God and go wild. But he can't because he's saying, fishing boat, fishing boat, fishing boat. And, and, and so the, the whole service, he's just like on the edge of his seat the whole time. And then the pastor gets up there and uh, a pastor's uh, preaching the, the, the sermon and uh, it's, it's going good. And then finally he gets to his favorite scripture. The, the, the pastor quotes his favorite scripture and that's Philippians chapter four, verse 13. And he starts uh, tell, telling him about how they were able to raise the money for the building and how God gave it to him. And he says, he says, through Christ, all things are possible. And, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the guy, he jumps up and says, boat or no boat, I got to worship God. And he, and he jumps up and he's like, I can't, I can't help it. And I said that because you know what? That's the faith that we need when we can say boat or no boat, I got to worship God. Whether I get there the way I expected to get there or not, he is still God. He is still my redeemer. He is still going to fulfill that which he promised me, boat or no boat. If I got to take a log of wood with, with one paddle, I'm going to make it to the other side. If I got a doggy paddle, I'm going to get there. Whether I got a yacht or a rowboat or I got a freestyle, I'm getting to the other side because my hope 
is not in my boat. And when you can make that resolve in your heart, then no weapon in hell can ever take you out. Your courage will always be through the roof because your courage is not conditional on what other people do for you, on what's around you. It is conditional on what God has already promised you. I wish somebody in this 1030 service would get happy about what God has already promised you. And it's not conditional on what's happening around you because it's already within me. This is it because my life is in his hands. That's it. My life is in his hands. And when that, that came to me, it made me think of one of my favorite gospel songs. It's by this guy. His name is, is Kurt Franklin. And I'm going to try and remember the lyrics. I forgot him in the first service. But it goes, it goes something like this. It says, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. For there's a friend named Jesus who will wash away your tears. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. With Jesus, I can take it. My life is in his hands. My life is in his hands. Let's just just sing us a verse of that, Julia. I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus I can take it, with Him I know I can stand. So no matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. My life is in his hands. And he never promises that there won't be tears, but he promises that he will be there to wipe them away. Never promises that you won't suffer loss or there won't be friends or family that that leave you, but he does promise that he will always be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Doesn't promise that there won't be hurts, doesn't promise that there won't be turmoil, but he promises that when there is, you could lift your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from, the creator of heaven and earth. That is who my God is. He never says that there won't be brokenness, but he does promise that he will bind up your wound and heal your broken heart when your life is in his hands. Because in life, things are not going to happen the way you expect them to happen. And one of fear's greatest hits is what if? What if? I feel like that, that runs through so many of our heads on a daily basis. What if this happens? How am I going to? What, what if? It's like, uh, what's that movie? One of my favorites, Forrest Gump. Any Forrest Gump fans? I love, love Forrest Gump, one of the greatest movies ever. And, and Forrest, he's, he's running, he's just running. Why are you running? I don't know, just wanted to run. And he's running and he's running. And guy comes up next to him and, and says, oh my God, you're about to step in a big pile of... 
You know what I'm talking about? And, 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 then, and then Forrest is like, no. The guy's like, oh my God, you did it. And Forrest looks at him and he says, it happens. <laughs> and the dude's like, brilliant idea. And so, he, you know, you know it, it, it happens. It, it happens, doesn't it? What if it happens? What do, you, what do you mean, it? The thing that you're afraid is going to happen. What if it happens? And I, I'm, not, I'm always a positive preacher, and I don't think that we need to, to, to constantly worry about uh, whether or not something happens. Uh, but, uh, but I believe that one strategy that a lot of times Satan will use against us is to try and get us to harp on what if, what if, what if, what if it happens. Because sometimes it does. Sometimes it happens. And I was with Judah the other day, and, and uh, he was eating, what was he eating? He was eating uh, uh, some kind of breakfast food, and he had one of his nice shirts on. And I told him, Judah, don't eat in the living room. You're going to spill it on your shirt. And I couldn't believe it. He said to me, he said, what if? I was like, <laughs> Because he knows I'll get him another one. You know, what, what, what if? What if it happens? Does that change anything about who God is to you? Does that change what you believe? Does that change the fact that your life is no longer in his hands? Uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago, um, I got a phone call from somebody. It was more like a month ago. I got a phone call from somebody. And I'm not going to tell you the details yet, but it was a situation uh, where, where somebody uh, that's not a, a fan of our church or churches in general uh, was trying to make a, uh, a big deal, a stink, out of the fact that we have our services here in the House of Independence. And uh, the, the person calls me up, and, and they're like, a little bit of a, of a crisis right here, you know? And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And then you start going with your mind, and he tells me, and I, I start, you know, uh, um, thinking to myself, oh, my God, what if? What if? And, and it's, it's been resolved, and there's, you know, it's, nothing's changed. Everything's fine. It got, it got resolved. It really wasn't a big deal. Uh, but I remember, like, saying to myself, what if? What if? Would I, would I keep preaching? Would, 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 would Shore Christian Church no longer meet? No. Because my life is in his hands. And, and, and I, I remember there was a moment, I didn't share this in the first service, but I want to tell it to you guys because I got all day with you. <laughs> I, I remember um, it was 2009. And my, my father was the, the lead pastor of the church, and I had just become the associate pastor. I was so excited. I was preaching the, the midweek services, and, and there was some uh, real challenges facing our church back then. And I, I was terrified because we were, we were meeting in this building that my father helped build. Um, our, our church had built. I'd laid the sod on the baseball field, and it, it was in Wall Township, and um, it was a situation where we were facing an eviction from this building. And there was a few of you that, that you, you're still here. You walked through that with us, and you're still here. And, and I remember uh, turning to Diamond when it was kind of like the, the, the last moment, and I, I told her, I, I said, 
I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. You know, this is, this is going to be so difficult. And, and I, I said, God, you have to deliver us from this. I don't, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. You have to, you, you have to make a way where, where we're going to be able to keep this building. You have to make a way because I don't think I'm going to be able to go through this. I'm going to be able to walk through this. And, and it ended up where, where it happened. It happened. And we prayed and we, we spoke in time. I mean, we, we prayed hard, man. Long prayer meetings. Three hours. Maybe we should have done four. I'm just kidding. And, and we, we were sure God was going to do it, and then it happened. And you know what I realized so much about that? Is that my hope is not in the boat. Because even though it happened, God is still going to bring us to the other side. God is going to still fulfill every part of the vision that he gave my father in 1977 that still has not come to pass, but it didn't come to pass the way that we expected it to. And my father could have very easily in that moment, when when he had to preach in front of like 50 people in a high school, just said, that's it, I'm done. (laughs) I I preached 40 years, I'm I'm finished, I, I can't go on any longer. But his faith wasn't in the boat, his faith was in God. And he knew that he had to carry this church through that time in order for me to get raised up so that I could take the mantle from him. But if he gave up just because it didn't happen the way he expected it to happen, we wouldn't be here this morning. But he pressed through because his hope wasn't in the boat. And I'm telling you that it can happen. And sometimes it does. But you say, my hope is not in my boat. My hope is not in the expectations that I have to have of how God is going to do it. I am going to keep going after God. If I got a doggy paddle, if I got to get a board, I'm going to keep coming after him. Even if felt an anointing from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Hebrew boys, read about in Daniel chapter 3. They were facing a fiery furnace, and then King Nebuchadnezzar looked at him and said, unless you bow down and worship me, I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at him and said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we can't do that because our God is able to deliver you from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we will still worship him. We will not bow our knee, even if. That is the kind of faith that moves mountains. That is the kind of faith that can have courage even when there is chaos all around you. Even if, and then this is what Paul said. Paul said, all right, all right. I, I, I know that we got to keep up our courage. Are you ready for this, this, this last close? You want to be here all day? Who's ready? Who's right? Because this is awesome how this ends. I mean, they made it. They, they did make it. You're going to make it to prison. Yes. <laughs> this is what Paul said. He said, last night, an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I serve, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, hey, Paul, do not be afraid because you must Stand trial before Caesar. There are some you must that God has spoken over your life. 
and nothing that you have done, nothing that has happened to you has changed the you must that God has placed over your life. It's still there. There is a you must that you have to have inside of your heart that can get you to where God has called you. You have to have that resolve that I must fulfill what God has put inside. I must, I must. And that's what Paul had. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God. That's it. My faith is not in my boat. My faith is in God. I have faith in God that it will happen. My faith is in God that it will happen. Just as he told me. And that is the word for somebody this morning. That is the word for, for, for a mom here this morning that you, you, you've been praying and raising your kids a certain way and, and, and they have uh, forsook some of the things that you've taught them, some of the things that you have put inside of them and it has not happened the way that you expected it to happen. But I want you to know that they are, were God's children before they were your children. And the, the word of God says that to train up your children in a way that they should go and they, it will not depart from them. You know that scripture? Which means it's in them. That they could run from you, they could run from home, they could run from their calling, but they can't run from the roots that you put inside of them from how you have raised them. And it will happen. Might not happen in the time frame you think it's going to happen, but it will happen. It might not happen with all the people that you expected to be on the boat with you, but it will happen. And Paul, he made it. He made it to Rome. And when he was in Rome, uh, you guys could, could stand to your feet right now. I'm, I'm pretty much finished, and we could play some, some keys in the background, Julia. Want to know how, how the story finished with Paul? He made it to Rome in chains, and they put him in prison in Rome. And while he was in prison, this is amazing, that's where he wrote all of the epistles that we have today. Because some, sometimes in the moments where you think you're slowing down, God is actually using those seasons to build fruit inside of you and produce fruit for generations to come. And so Paul's writing all these epistles while he's in the Roman prison. And he writes this, this one epistle uh, to the church of Philippi. And the church of Philippi at this time was under a lot of persecution. Uh, they didn't know if the Romans were going to come in and, and, and slaughter a lot of them when they were having their church meetings, just like we are today. They were, they were feeling like, God, where are you? God, are you going to take us to become the church that you had promised? God, where are you? And so Paul writes this letter we, we know as the book of Philippians. And in this book, he, he says this, this passage, which is one of my favorite passages, one of the most encouraging passages to me. And it says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, says, Be confident, have courage in this one thing, that he who began a good work in you, say in me, in me. like you mean in me, in me, began a good work in me, will be faithful to complete it. But it's not going to come the way you expected it to come. And my hope is not in my boat. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you so much for every single person that is here, Lord, for, for the mothers, for the fathers, for, for the brothers, for the sisters, for 
everyone, Lord, that, that said, I, I want to come to church this morning to hear a word from the Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that, that you spoke through me to some hearts here this morning. And, and I pray, Father, for anyone who has put their hope in their boat, put their hope in their house, put their hope in their job, put their hope in, in, in a relationship, and, and, and now it didn't turn out the way that they expected it to turn out, and, and, and now they, they feel so lost and feel so confused. I pray, Lord, that they will find their hope in you, because only in you can you find a hope that will float. Only in you can we find an anchor for our soul. And Lord, I I pray for anyone right now who has taken their life out of your hands, God. And they they went away, they they made some mistakes, they fell short, and they 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 knew better. They they knew that they shouldn't have gone down this road. And and God, you're calling them home this morning. Saying though, even though the reason you're in this storm is because of you and your selfishness. God is always gracious. And he wants to call you home and say, put your life back in my hands. How do you do that? Bible is clear. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you shall be saved. Even, even if it's been a year, even if it's been five years, even if it's been a decade, when you put your life in God's hands, it's the safest place that you could put your soul, put your emotions, put your heart. Let's just say this prayer together as a church. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I thank you, thank you for, giving me real hope, for giving me real hope, for delivering me, for delivering me from my sins, from my, sins my, selfishness, my selfishness. Make me a new creation. Through the, cross, through the cross, through your grace, through your grace I, am set free. I am set free. I am forgiven. I am a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are new. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. If you would, this morning, if... If you're here, whether it's in the, in the balcony or, or in the back, and, and you made that decision to put your life in God's hands this morning, there's a I Have Decided card that I want to ask you to fill out, and, and we want to give you a Bible in the lower lobby so that you could have a, a roadmap to this journey with Jesus that you're getting started. Um, I know that God spoke to a lot of lives here this morning, that your hope is not in your boat, but it is in my Savior. It's not in my expectations, but it's in a God who could carry me to the other side in so many different ways. We thank you. And uh, have a great Mother's Day. Be blessed. And we'll see you next Sunday as we continue this series.